chapter Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 22. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. 
and I've promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. I wonder if you'd just like to stand up and stretch yourself if you need to, uh, if you can, if that's comfortable, just stand. You've been sitting for a while and that's a long reading. So before I start, before I, why don't you just stand and uh, help yourself. I assure you, it's good to move. You can talk if you like, or you don't have to if you don't want to, but that, that's okay. I didn't ask you to go say hello to people. Did you know the same? Uh, I know what you're like. You'll be wandering all over the place talking. Let's pray. Now, gracious Father, we pray and ask that as we come to your word that you would be with us, that you would help us, that you would encourage us, thrill us, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you, we pray, we pray we might be open to be rebuked. We ask, Lord, that we would be people who hear and understand and listen. And we ask, Lord, that I would be someone who's kept from error, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we started uh, Exodus. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, and we're in Exodus three chapter three and four the israelites as you might remember from last week uh there's good things happening and not so good things good things were do anyone remember what the good things were someone said this morning be prepared to receive any answer you seeing you ask the question they're coming out of egypt yep there's lots of them isn't there that's pretty good. The, the promises of God are being fulfilled. As they said to Abraham, there will be lots of you, more than you can count, and there are lots. But the bad news is they're being oppressed, aren't they, by the people who they end up having to serve as slaves, the Egyptians. And Pharaoh 
does not like it, nor do the Egyptians like it, that there are so many of them. So it's uh, into that whole drama is a man born as a child, obviously as a baby. All men are children at one stage, isn't it? Moses is born and the hand of God is upon him. We see that he is saved marvellously in the waters that were threatened and did drown many of his fellow Hebrews, uh, boys. From there, he is ironically delivered by Pharaoh's own daughter and taken into Pharaoh's own household. But we also left the chapter with him having to flee from Egypt because he was in fear of his life because Pharaoh was after him. So we find him in that perilous position in a place far from home. Remember what he called his own son? Sorry. Yes, what did it mean? Gershom is right. That's actually great. You know, I, I, didn't, I don't remember Gershom, but I remember what it meant. It means I'm a stranger in a strange faraway place. Yeah, that's a great name, isn't it, for your child? And so we come to Exodus 3 and Moses is far away and he's actually tending flocks. And we come to Exodus 3 and we, this is such a familiar passage. And the heading on the chapter Exodus 3 says, guess what? Exodus 3, chapter 2. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn. <laughs> so the headings are very misleading. The whole point is that the bush is not burning. So Moses and the burning bush is... I know it as Moses and the burning bush. You know it as Moses and the burning bush. The people who translate that Bible put burning bush. But the point is that the bush is not, in fact, burning. It's a strange story. This bush is on fire but is not burning. It starts out as a very ordinary day for Moses. As I said, he's tending the flock of his father-in-law, on Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is also known as another name, we think, in the Old Testament, and that name is Mount Sinai. Out of the bush that's not burning comes a voice. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see that in verse 6. And from here on, from verse 5, you'll see it. From here on, one of the themes of this book will be holiness. For Moses is in the presence of God himself. Moses is stunned. Who wouldn't be? Here is a bush on fire that is not burning, and out of it, God speaks to him. His heart, you can only say, must have skipped a beat. He hears that God is going to save his people and God is sending him. How does Moses respond to this message? He's never heard a worse, worse thing in his life. 
he does not welcome it. From there on in chapter 4, you see he seems to come up with every excuse he can think not to go. The bush is not burning and Moses doesn't want to go. But if you think he's coming up with every excuse, it's a little bit simplistic to say that. Pharaoh, you know, you do know, is the most powerful person in the world as he knows it. Why did Moses run out of Egypt? Because Moses, uh, Pharaoh, sorry, is so powerful that what he says will be done. If you cross him, he will cross you. He might chop you up into little bits. He is a tyrant. He is fearsome. And Moses' objections are based on his doubts, his fears, and his previous experiences. Firstly, he says in verse 11, who am I? It's an expression of terror. And it echoes the thing that was said to him in chapter 2, verse 14. Who made you ruler over us and judge? Remember, he was rejected. And Moses really is someone who remembers exactly how his people treated him. It's sort of an excuse, but it's a little bit more. It's a real dilemma in himself. I can't do this. I can't carry the weight of this. And God hears that, and his reply is in verse 12. I will be with you. A very important sentence. Uh, we just did a whole thing on the Holy Spirit. And, of course, Jesus said, I'm sending you, and I will be with you always. No accident. God is a personal and faithful God. God says, I will give you a sign. You, and that you is not just him, it's his people, it's plural. You will worship God on this mountain. Moses has another objection, objection 2, verse 13. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of the fa your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What, I sh what should I tell them? Moses had been around. He knows that they will reject him. God's answer is verse 14. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses is not just asking about a name. He's asking about the very nature of the God who has made the promises that this whole people have heard about the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And now this God <clears throat> makes it to Moses. It's a very important passage, Exodus 3 and 4, for the whole of the first five books of the Bible. We call the first five books, what do we call them? The Pentateuch. That's, I thought that was just a word that people like me, like me up the front knew. But it's good, we know that, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It's an important thing that says and reaffirms the promises that God has made to his people. This is a key one for the whole of those 
the first five books. Moses comes, God is saying, you are going in the power of my promise, my word. And he tells him that the elders will listen in verse 19. He says, Pharaoh won't listen to you. He won't unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. There's a great stage set for a great struggle and drama, and we know the story. Hollywood will love it. They'll make a story. If I say Charlton Heston, if you're old enough, you know what that movie is. The Ten Commandments? Someone said Ben-Hur at Wentworth Falls, <laughs> trying to throw me off. Charlton Heston was, was a big actor, wasn't he? It is a great story. It is a great drama. It's there the Israelites will strangely leave Egypt, it says in verse 21 and 22, chapter 3, with much plunder. Though the Egyptians don't want them, though Pharaoh wants to get, hates them, they will leave with lots of blessings and plunder. Who is in control? It's one of the things that's really big in this passage. It's very clear that the Lord is in control, despite what Moses is like, despite what Pharaoh is like, despite what the Egyptians feel about what, who the Israelites are. It's actually God who will drive this forward, despite the characters in the story, including Moses, because he has a third objection. Number three, what if they do not believe me, in verse 4, chapter 1, listen to me and uh, believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear you. I think the ESV has it better. But behold, <clears throat> they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. Again, it's the same objection. They won't believe me. They won't accept me. They won't listen to me. I'll be ignored. And so God gives him three signs. It's a very interesting response. The first sign is his staff. And what does he do with his staff? Throws it on the ground. Bill, you might want to throw your... Don't throw it on the ground. Throws it on the ground. And what does it turn into? A snake. You know the story. And when he picks it up again, comes a staff. His hand. He puts his hand inside his cloak, and when he pulls it out, it's leprous. And when he puts it back in his cloak, it's healed. And then the third one is an ominous sign. He said, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. The scene is set because these things are going to be important in the story and the scene's set for some really incredible things. Moses, though, that's not enough. He objects again. Verse 10 of chapter 4. I don't speak well. 
in one sense, Moses could be a very good Presbyterian minister. I don't have the gifts for that sort of thing. That was a joke. No one laughed. Everyone thought, yeah, that's right. I don't speak well. I couldn't, can't do it. I can't, I couldn't do it. I can't do it. In verse 11 of chapter 4, Jesus, uh, the Lord has had enough. Who made your mouth? I'm the maker of all mouths. Get going. I am with you. Verse 13, Moses takes a last stand. And God is getting really cross. But if you read, God also is quite patient, quite graceful. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? Take him. He will speak. I will tell you what to say. He will speak it, and you, but you will perform the miracles, the signs. Go. Moses couldn't be more reluctant. It's a very strange thing here. Have you ever heard the saying, seeing is believing? If only I saw, then I would believe. If Jesus came here now, I would believe him. Moses is a real reminder. That's a load of rubbish. Because Moses saw a bush that's not burning, and he heard, seeing and hearing. And yet Moses, though he's the one who God wants for the mission, Moses couldn't be more reluctant. If we're tempted to think that Moses is a hero, if he is that sort of Charlton Heston type guy, we are quickly reminded that he's pretty ordinary. In fact, I'm not even sure I would be that bold to reject God, but I think I probably would. In the end, he has those fears. They're like you and I, those failings. God, in all, his, in all this, hears and understands, but Moses doesn't listen. His objections are because he just doesn't want to do it. All his past experiences, the fact that he's basically 40 now and he's been in the wilderness, so to speak, for a long time. And that nothingness as he's become envelops him. And even when God says, go, he doesn't. He doubts. He's very resistant. You know, uh, I remember Isaiah 6 verse 8 was very important for myself. And that's what I expect someone like Moses to say. I don't know if you know Isaiah 6, 8. Some of you do. It says this, when the Lord says, whom the whole throne of God says in Isaiah, as he appears to him, says, who shall go and who shall we send? And, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. That's what I expect from Moses. And it's a long way from that here. A long way. He's very, very human. He's reluctant. He's fearful. In fact, he's very sinful. 
He's much like me. I assume he's much like you. He's much like us. And maybe we stumble here because Moses is such a figure. But here he is very much like us and he is very human. He's bold, bold in his disobedience, just like me. Just like you, perhaps. He's a great contrast. For I don't know if you saw, we read the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus, the second Adam, who is the one who has come with the Spirit of God to make us new and make us and transform us into the image of humanity in his image. Jesus, we see him, sweats drops of blood as he comes to the, the struggle that he has to face. And he knows exactly what's before him. And it weight does press on him. But unlike us, unlike Moses, he trusts, he obeys, he perseveres to the end. We forget how human Jesus was, but he is fully human, fully God. And in him we have a deliverer who has saved us, this second Adam. He becomes for us the faithful human we are not, the one who is not on display in Moses. He obeys totally our God. And his death is a perfect sacrifice for us. And it breaks this power that sin and death, fear, reluctance has in our lives. Moses was reluctant. Jesus was victorious. Here is a God who has sent a saviour. And this revelation of himself is given to Moses. It's the second thing that we notice. With patience and graciousness, but with determination, as we said, God deals with Moses. The Lord is going to make sure what he has determined will happen. So there's actually no doubt here not because of Moses, but because who's with him. Remember what Jesus, uh, what God says, I will be with you again and again. If you translate, translate his name, I am who I am in verse 14, you could translate it, I am the one who is with you, would be a reasonable translation. That's no accident. Because here the God of Abraham, Isaac, Moses, I say Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is now with Moses. I will be with you. And in Jesus, we have someone who has promised to be with us always to the end of the age. This God who keeps his promises, kept his promises in the Saviour. 
Jesus fulfills the promises of the Old Testament. And in doing so, as we've said, gives us his spirit that we too might be transformed into his likeness. Here is the God who is personal, faithful, and with you. He is the God we know by name, Jesus. God with us. God is a God of revelation. He has made himself known and we hear. Moses saw and hear and was highly reluctant. God has declared himself in the person of Jesus that we might hear, know, and come. I will be with you has been fulfilled for us. God is a God of promises. Still, he always was and he always will be. And those have been fulfilled in Jesus. The place where Moses went was holy and he had to be careful and he was allowed to be there. We have been ushered in to God's very presence because of Jesus' death for us. He made us holy by his death, by his grace, and by the giving of his spirit. He has pardoned us, forgiven us, that we might be his people. In him we have a place, not foreign, not alien, but a place where we are permanently to worship with him. His promises in the past about forgiveness, his promises to be with them have been fulfilled for us in Jesus. You and I can know this God by name. I, he says, I call you friends. He has revealed himself, our God, in the person of Jesus, the one whom we know, the name above all names, the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Here is a picture of a strange event from a strange time, but a wonderful event for us. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you and thank you that you've made yourself known. We see the struggles here of Moses. They are really quite something. He is quite resistant. We realize that in him, he is very much like us. And yet, Father, you are patient and graceful with him. And you provided for him all that he needed and you were with him. We thank you that you are a God of your promise and your promises to us have been fulfilled in Jesus. Your promises have been fulfilled for our troubled, sinful world in our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. We pray we'll hear you. We pray that we will believe, that we will trust 
And we are thankful that you are transforming us into the very likeness of your faithful and dear son. Father, we pray that you would come, shape us and mould us and help us, we pray. This day and all days, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.